Hello? Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Um, do you want to turn the camera on? Um, yeah, that's weird. Um, I know it's weird. It's because uh, it's because we're going to upload this video. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was going to be on. I don't see you, friend. That was very weird. Okay, give me a sec here. How's your day? It's eight o'clock over there right now. Not too bad. I'm still trying to get used to uh, being at home. we're waiting. Um, just a preface for anyone who's listening out there. Um, this is obviously uh, being recorded um, in the COVID-19 sort of um, environment. So a lot of us are practicing um, safe social distancing, um, social isolation, um, quarantines, and um, thankfully that there's a lot of tools out there that we can use that allow us to to keep connecting and to keep um, sharing these things. So hopefully, um, hopefully that inspires uh, people out there to to not lose hope and to not lose um, momentum and things. There we go. Can you see me? Yeah, I can. Um, hey, so thanks so much for um, for joining. Um, obviously, it's. Uh, it's a bit of an interesting environment we're in right now because um, even if we were in the same city, it's not like we can sit face to face. And yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm super grateful that there's all these tools that we can use to do this. Um, but it also means that our environment like looks a lot different in terms of, you know, how we work with our athletes, how we better develop their skills, how we communicate with one another, how we info share, yeah. all of those things. Um, let me let me know sort of like what your thoughts have been in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, you're over. So for the people out there listening, I have Aaron. I can't say your last name. O'Flaherty. Uh, Aaron O'Flaherty. Uh, him and I had worked uh, in BC Rugby together. Um, never really in the same program, but always under a similar umbrella. Um, you've been with Burnaby Lake Rugby Club. I have been with Mariloma and Capilano Rugby Club. Um, and you have also graciously agreed to come and coach uh, Vancouver Way with me. So thank you so much for joining. Um, kind of as we were sort of prefacing before, like this sort of environment that we're in, I'm here in Canada, you're back in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. This environment has drastically changed how we interact with one another, how we interact with our athletes. How do you think that this impacts sort of like what you're doing, what your approach has been, if you've had to make changes and if you've seen positives out of those changes that you've had to make. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, anyway, the biggest thing I found is just being able to take a step back. Um, I've been so busy the last couple of years that it's kind of like, okay, assess everything. Um, in regards to on-field coaching, yes, the on-field coaching has, has stopped, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the players can't sees up training yeah so a lot of the things we've done the last couple of weeks is send out videos for players to do individual stuff um whether that's individual fitness speed um and then just kind of general ball work yeah but, and and do you think that they're responding to 
video content in the same way. Like, obviously, it's, it, it is a little bit different when you're not there in person um, and you're not actually there, like, physically interacting. Mm-hmm. But do you find, like, you and I have worked with senior-level athletes as well as the younger athletes, but do you find they're adapting to what these new tools look like? Um, it all depends. Like, so for example, I'm coaching Gold Regions Rugby Club at the moment, and a big thing what we brought in is a burpee challenge. So essentially, it's 14 days of burpees. First minute, it's how many? How our first day, uh, one minute of burpees. Second day, two minutes, and so on. The players have responded really, really well to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're constantly putting themselves through gruesome gruesome behaviors but um in regards to the skills i don't think they've taken it on as much right. i'm doing some work with connect development and they've they've taken up the challenge i think the main focus with with younger players uh coming through is they all want to be professional rugby players of course so a lot of them they don't how would you even say it they don't mind going that extra step where you'd always see them with a rugby ball in their hand. They just, they want to breed the sport. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if they're with their friends, uh, with, with a team, they're always going to have that mentality. Right. Have you participated in this burpee challenge? I have. I did. And, uh, and how are you getting on? Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's <absolutely> disgusting. <laughs> I, it is, it is disgusting, but I mean, these are the sorts of things that, you know, we can do as colleagues. These are things that we can do as coaches that helps to keep, um, helps to keep them motivated. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also, I think part of the challenge here is everyone's sort of in a similar situation. So this is not really unique to a specific region or anything like that. Um, If we were to stay in this sort of isolated environment for, say, you know, some places are saying for the next 12 to 16 weeks, um, how do you think some of these adaptabilities are going to either aid athletes that are coming back, like once all of this kind of of settles out, or do you think we're going to start to see expected setbacks before we sort of get back into the groove of things? Um, I think the biggest thing at the moment is it's going to be a test of character for these players because obviously I'm coming from a season where pre-season usually doesn't start until July mm-hmm. it might get brought forward to pro- possibly June if even right that's hopefully but um, I think there's a lot of test of character from both a development aspect of these players. Um, what, so the way I look at this whole situation is it's, it's crazy, but I'm looking at what can we do instead of what can't we do. No, uh, which, which I think is, is such a great like, yeah. mentality to have. And for me, I'm pushing for the players to do more analysis, try and broaden their horizon on that rugby IQ aspect. Right. And hopefully, like, we can get guys fit in six weeks. Okay, the handling, the, the core skills mightn't be that that great, but um, the, I don't think they'll lose that much of an aspect. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with sort of that analysis piece where it's, it is things that we can do from our homes, right? So yeah. 
a lot of times you you have access or at least hopefully have access to game footage um you know if you've if you've played a lot of rugby and you've played a lot of footy in a, in different places that have filmed it hopefully you can get your hands on game film and you can sort of look at it from a much sort of different lens right so um i'm, I'm sure you can kind of attest to, to this but when we're looking at it as coaches we're looking at game analysis and game film from a slightly tactical and development lens right whereas when you're looking at it as a player it's a bit more sort of self-reflective in that tactical aspect where it's you know it's here's the things that I have been doing and here's where I found success and it's am I taking the time right now where we can't be exercising a lot of these sort of broader things on field to say you know, here's the small tweaks that I can do and here's small things that I can make changes on and here's smaller things that I can work on while in a sort of more isolated environment that when we do come back to a bigger sort of group setting, you know, I'm going to be a little bit hopefully further ahead or at the very minimum sort of on the same sort of understanding and haven't like backpedaled and fell back a bit. Um, Do you find... um, player engagement is higher now in this current environment or do you find it to be quite similar to the sorts of engagement that you had prior? I don't see much change, Um, especially the WhatsApp group that I'm in. It's all fun and games right now. (laughs) Like there's not much, like a lot of that stuff and a lot of the engagement that would happen before this would be all about a particular game right. or a training. So there wouldn't be that much outside of that. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, it's all now about what kind of trick shots they can do and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I mean, you got to sort of like keep it a bit. Oh, like, definitely. Keep it as positive as you possibly can. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's things that are positive. It's things that are engaging, but it's also just, keeping that connection, right? Like it is a very, this is a very like isolating um, experience for a lot of people, especially if you come from a realm of team sport where you're used to being around your mates all the time and you're used to being around people just in general all the time uh, to, to really not being able to be around anybody. It's, uh, it's quite like a strange and isolating thing. Well, I mean, it's not that I didn't work out a ton before. I worked out every day. But Do now... The challenge at me. What's that? Sorry? Do the burpee challenge with me. Start off at day nine tomorrow. All right. I'll do that. Okay. All right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's you add a minute, so I'd be at nine yeah, minutes. Yeah, so before. you're at nine minutes now. So you have to do nine minutes of burpees. Yeah, I, you're, you're on. You're on. Yeah, right. It's going to be gross. It's going to be gross. But you're on. <laughs> But, you know, like, these are the types of things, like, the other day, um, studio, like, they've been doing a lot of um, workouts online. A lot of gyms have sort of transitioned a lot of their stuff in an online platform, whether it's Facebook Live, whether it's YouTube Live, it's Instagram Live, um, they, you know, it's Zoom classes, like, they've had to make that transition so that they can still serve their communities. And, one of the things the other day was the Turkish get-up challenge with a shoe. I have managed to do it on, like, first try, both yeah, sides. But it's, like, empty shoe on your knuckle. That's, 
and it's one of those things where it's just like it seems kind of you know whatever but these are the small like little things where you'll tag people where it's like people have been doing a lot of push-up challenges where it's like man yeah, if yeah. you see if you see 10 like you do 10 and then it's yeah, i've done that we're like up to like 50 now i'm like yeah <laughs> you know like there's certain parts of my body that are just gonna get so much bigger as as a result of this yeah. and then the other parts of my body are just gonna like proportionately shrink because there's no yeah. there's you know um do you find that as well yeah like, like so many uh like i've looked up gym equipment online and so much of it is sold out at the moment oh i know it is it is ridiculous but it's but i but i honestly think it's because everybody everywhere is in the yeah. same boat where it's like I can't go to the gym regularly. Mm. If I'm still working and, f- and fortunate enough to be working, I'm confined to my home. And yeah. so there's really only so many things that you can do in your home. Like I was able to order a pull-up bar for my doorway. Two of my friends that live here in Toronto, because they're quarantined together, were able to actually build a small rig in their hallway. Yeah. Basically, like they built a two-by-four like frame put up two pull-up bars in there and it's just like okay if anyone has things that they're not using like give it to me and it's one of those things where it's like I I was really fortunate to have bands and stuff like in my house before but it's like I've had to find creative ways to like utilize them to get enough resistance for stuff yeah Um, and then it's like okay if I've gone for a run in some like quiet secluded neighborhood I've seen like empty park benches. I'm like, great, we're gonna like box jump on these like benches that no one's using right now. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, it's finding ways to be creative because at least if my athletes and and athletes that I've worked with like see that, okay, like I am not in any different of a situation. I'm in the exact same situation where I don't have access to the gym anymore, access to a large amount of weights. I don't even have access to my office, like my, like where I shoot all my videos and where I do all my stuff. Like this is where I live. It's where I eat. Yeah. It's where I work out. It's where I work. It's where it's I do everything. It's everything yeah. now. Right. But it's like, you just have to be creative. And I think as long as they're seeing that you're making the effort to like still keep routine and to still work on things, hopefully it inspires them to want to keep keeping up with stuff. Even yeah. if it's like these fun little you know, whatever challenges that we do together. But part of it, but part of it's us also connecting and supporting one another through sort of like a shit time, right? Yeah. What's it, what's it been like um, being back home now? It's strange. Um, <laughs> part of me is delighted. Um, yeah. So I got back in October, second week in October. Yeah. I took, like, I told myself, okay, I'm taking four weeks off, not doing a thing. Right. I arrived back into Dublin at two o'clock. Yep. No, one o'clock. Yep. I arrived back into Galway at 3.30. And I'm off in the club coaching at, at half six. <laughs> like, and then I question, okay, I need to take a break. Um, yep. Started back working, coaching, connect development stuff, coaching Galwegians and... Uh, yeah, no, it's been fun. I'm kind of happy that this is this kind of happened in a sense, just to give me a break. But um, no, it's been it's it's been interesting seeing everybody. I think is the biggest thing. 
Yeah, and it's it's always different when you're sort of like away from a, a type of environment and you come yeah. back into what that environment is. Like the environment hasn't really changed, but you just haven't been there in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's always really interesting where it's like, yes, there's familiar faces and there's familiarity in a lot of different things, but there's also a lot of changes because you have been in a completely different environment oh, definitely. for the last couple of years, right? Yeah. But it's even the same, like, just coming back to the East versus the West, yeah. um, things have, have definitely shifted a little bit. And, um, and also like, I just happened to come back here when everything blew up. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, great. Like I can't immerse myself in anything because I am locked out of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like out of your control. Right. But it's any of the conversations that were had prior to all of this, those are still ongoing. Yeah. Um, you know, you do your best to kind of like stay in touch with people and, and to keep on top of things again, the best that you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sort of being aware that like, this is not a forever change. This is a temp- yeah. hopefully a temporary change, a much needed um, sort of isolating period um, so that it doesn't end up just sort of wiping through right. everything as we, as we know it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is a big adjustment. Like one of the physios that I worked with when I was working in sevens, um, because she's a physiotherapist and she was like, the nature of the business is you can't be near anybody yeah. at the moment. So it's, it's been a lot of shifting to like, uh, telecommunications and sort of teletreatment in the best mm-hmm. sort of abilities that you can do. And then the remainder of the time has been researching and keeping up to date with things. And then she's like, I have a sewing machine and I can sew. So I have been knee deep in making masks. Yeah. And, and part of it's just a necessity where it's like, you know, if you have to go out there as much as strange as it, as it is to be like, Oh, like I'm scared of people. But part of it, part of it is that fear because of how all of this has transpired Right. Like I had, uh, I guess, uh, I don't like to call them arguments. They're more like passionate discussions. Um, you know, the other day with someone who just really didn't feel like this was a necessary step to do, you know, and I said, you're not doing this for yourself. You're doing this for the betterment of your community. Anybody that you care about that's in this community, you have friends or family that are in vulnerable groups like you're, you're doing this for them. Like you're doing this so that we get to a point where inevitably this is going to continue on. We're not going to wipe this out, mm. but hopefully later on we're better equipped to deal with it um, as a whole. And we're able to better equip ourselves to, to sort of see, you know, transmissions and hopefully like bring a lot of that stuff down yeah. But again, it's just being responsible, right? Like everyone sort of thinks to themselves, okay, like these are the things that I can't be doing anymore. Yeah. And these are the things, like, yes, it's terrible. And yes, it sucks that like none of us can be doing the things that we love or even see the people that we want to see. But it's like a short-term, um, it's a short-term discomfort for mm-hmm. a longer-term benefit. Oh, definitely. Hopefully for everybody. And so it was one of those things where I'm just like, I don't even know why we're clashing about this. Yeah. To me, it's a non-negotiable. You know, I said, I, I would rather. Shut down. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like, 
you know, I have, I have had immunocompromised disease before. Um, I don't have the strongest immune system in general. Mm. I have family and friends that are in these vulnerable, you know, things. And I said, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in unnecessary risk factor yeah. where, where I can control it. Obviously there's going to be cases where I can't control that. Yeah. So you take the precautions that you can, but the things that you can control, it's just responsible to do yeah. the things in your control that you can. Right. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's such an interesting thing. And, and obviously each of the regions have, has kind of dealt with it a little bit differently. Each mm. of the regions has kind of, uh, been hit with it in much more different and profound sort of ways. Um, I guess, I guess for you, like how has, how has the shift been for you and has there been things that you found that are actually like positives that have come out of it? I don't know if I showed you, but so every Sunday now, I'm making out, you know, how I love my spreadsheets. I mean, they're great. <laughs> yeah, I've got a full spreadsheet of exactly what I want to achieve that week. So yeah. Three different goals. I have a little quote of uh, controlling the controllables. Yeah. And then I have a complete itinerary on what I want to achieve that day. Which um, I think is, I think it's great. And it adds like structure. Oh, definitely. And I'm so used to it going from work to coaching to home and doing that pretty much five to seven days a week. Right. I knew I needed that. Mm-hmm. So I, like, like I bought a guitar in Vancouver last April, never used it. I was like, all right, my first goal, play a song on it. I'm not going to yeah. play it now. Okay? <laughs> but, um, little things like that. And like, I'm trying to ma- like get up to speed with Excel yeah. for, or for coaching. I've been baking. Yeah. Uh, I've been downloading software for video analysis. Yeah. Things like that that I knew that I'd always push back before. I'm like, okay, now is the time. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of I think a lot of people's mindsets before is I've already got so much going on. Like I don't know mm. if I can take on anymore, or it's kind of like okay, like I'll push this off until next weekend, or I'll push yeah. this off until next month when I've got a little bit more free time, and then it sort of sits on the back burner and then it just never gets looked at because there's always something that's on the go. And I, so I think some of the biggest positives that that is maybe going to come out of this is it's going to force people to slow down a little bit and hopefully take a look at sort of the things that, that they're doing. And it's kind of like, why did I not have the time to do this? Is it either I didn't want to, or, is was it just not approachable in the sense where it's like maybe I need to break it down into smaller chunks to mm. to make it more approachable so that it doesn't seem as daunting. Mm. Um, I've resurrected my YouTube channel. I oh, left. Yeah. It. I. It's funny. I started it a couple of years ago when I started my company, and again, it's you know none of my videos are particularly very long. Yeah. So that I, I like to make stuff like the podcast for me is is the medium to to do sort sort of slightly longer stuff. The yeah. YouTube channel for me has always been like shorter snippets of of things. Hopefully they're short enough where it's like you don't lose interest of your audience and they're digestible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last year, like things have gotten very busy, and so it's kind of like okay, like if I even if I did record stuff, it's like I don't know what I have time to edit. I don't know if I have the money to pay someone yeah. else to edit these things. And then 
as I've, as I've been kind of working out at home, um, some of my friends and family is kind of like, Hey, can you post the video component to like what you're doing? So I said, sure, like not a big deal. Cause I do film stuff that I do. I just don't yeah. always post the content. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like what I'll do then is I'll write out what I've either programmed for myself or if I've taken a program from elsewhere, like I write it out and then I will actually like do the workout and I'll demo like almost everything. And so I started at first, it was kind of like, cool. I'll just put it on my Instagram. That's where I have the bigger following. Um, and then some of my, I would every once in a while, like upload stuff to Facebook. And then a couple of my cousins were like, can you do this like every day? Can you do this more often? I said, sure. Like, I don't know if people who follow me, like want to look at fitness shit all day, but like, no. cool. <laughs> but if that's what people want to see, like no, I'll put it out there. Yeah. And then, and then one of the girls at caps, she had played rugby at UVic and she played rugby over in Australia and her sort of like background is fitness. And she was like, you should start a YouTube channel. And I'm like, I have one. I just haven't done anything with it for like a year. And she's like resurrected. And so her and I were just kind of like chatting this morning. And I'm just like, you know what? Now is as good of a time as any to do that. I've got a little bit more free time to like yeah. edit things. Like five to six minute videos don't take as long to edit as something that's like 20 or 30 minutes, right? And so it's kind of like, great, like, I talk a little blurb about it. No excuse. Exactly. Like, there is none because it's like, yes, I do work like nine to 10 hours a day, but it's not like when I'm done work, I can go anywhere. Mm. Can't go anywhere. I'm still in my house. But sometimes, sometimes, like, so my, my mantra through this whole sort of ordeal is I've been in this isolated environment for about a month now. It's a really, it's, it feels like a really long time, but my mantra throughout this whole thing has, has been the same as it always has been. It's, it's carving out the time to move every day and that movement can look a little bit different. That movement could be a five mile run. That movement could be, I mean, in the previous environment here, that hour, it could be an hour in the gym lifting weight. Could be an hour Olympic lifting, yeah. doing a CrossFit class. It'd be doing a yoga class. D- didn't doesn't matter. And so now it's kind of like okay, like the mantra's still the same. I want to be able to move every day, but now my environment looks a lot different. Yeah. So how how can we move every day with the things that we have in the environments that we're given? Where it's sometimes I just need a break during the day. Yeah. And it's, I've kind of found, I was all go, go, go in Vancouver that for these schedules that I make, yeah, I'm not going to stress out if I say, okay, I'm tired, I'm going to sleep in for an hour or two, or yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm actually going to wipe that whole day out and yeah. just take me day because it's come to a point where I'm starting to understand how I go. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just as long as I don't burn out, I'll be kind of happy. Yeah, and I and I think part of I think part of having some semblance of structure yeah. is so that nothing sort of blurs into everything else. Yeah. Because it gets really easy for everything to blur in when your environment is literally the same because you are yeah. confined in a space, right? Yeah. Where it's kind of like my commute to work now is my bedroom to like five meters away in my living room. Yeah. It's not far. <laughs> You know, and it's kind of like, do I put on a clean pair of joggers today? Yes. Absolutely not. Winning. 
<laughs> hey, I showered and I put on clean clothes for this. Look at you go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's not quite as much of an effort, quote unquote, yeah. anymore because my work and my gym environment and everything else is all in the same place. Mm -hmm. Like there's no complete like physical separation between any of it. Yeah. But at the same token, I think You're still sticking to that routine. At least I'm trying to, but I'm, but I'm also trying to be mindful that if, if I don't a hundred percent stickler stick to it, that like, you can be a bit forgiving to yourself yeah. because this is a, it's a massive adjustment yeah. for a lot of people to completely change and uproot how they're doing things, when they're doing stuff, mm. who they're interacting with, where that interaction happens. It's all changing. Right. So yeah. I think part of that is learning to be compassionate towards ourselves and not beating ourselves up for saying, Hey, I've gotten all these things planned today, but like I didn't get to any of them. That's cool. Yeah. Like it's, it's party days to do them. So, <laughs> right. But it's like, it's, it's perfectly fine. Like if you don't get up at like yeah. 6am every day to get this done, like yeah. you can allow yourself to, to have that lion for like an hour or, or more if, if the rest is what you need, Yeah, you know, and some days, and some days it's kind of like, um, Theron and I have, have talked about this. He was my strength coach before. But he was like, some days movement just looks different. Like some days yeah. you're just like, cool, I'm just going to stretch a little bit today and just like move my body. And then that might inspire you to do a little bit more. But he's like, but if that's all the mental energy you have that mm. day to do that, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's difficult to, to beat ourselves up for not doing more, but maybe that's all you have the mental capacity to do at that mm. time is just that. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, where do you, I've always been very curious, which is the age group that you actually enjoy working with the most? Oof, good question. <laughs> um, depends on the day to be quite honest with you. <laughs> depends what kind of mood I'm, if I'm angry, I want to go senior, but if I'm eager and enthusiastic, it's, uh, it's development. I really enjoyed the 18s, though. Mm -hmm. So that was, I did the BC 18s last year and the year before. Yeah. I think that's the age group where it's kind of, a lot of the guys want to make the 19s and the 20s for Canada. So there was always that kind of a push. Yeah. And they were like sponges. And they're also, I find, I've worked with the 16s and the 18s at the provincial level. I've worked with the 18s at the Canadian level. And then I've worked with seniors otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I always find the 16s, depending on the group, some of the groups have been really good and some of them mm -hmm. have, not that they're not good, but they're just less sponges. Yeah. Um, and I find the 18s, similar sort of mindset like they're a tiny bit more serious in the sense where they're just like okay like this is that first crack into what national level yeah. and and hope potentially international competition is going to look like yeah. for them and that you know for some of those for some of those lads and for some of the women that are at that sort of stage some of them just don't progress past that because they they really do burn out 
and and they lose the love for competing and they lose the love for the sport in general because they're just so burnt out. But then for some of them, like it really drives them because they want to make that next Mm -hmm. step. And, and they know that those are sort of pivotal years of development from sort of like 17, 18 to about 21. Yeah. Um, It's that kind of critical, you're at like sort of like a critical impasse where you're, you've hopefully played enough footy at that point where you've gotten a lot of fundamental skill and you've gotten, uh, um, you're starting to build like a a foundation for your IQ. Mm. Um, But you're still at a point where like you want to learn and you're eager to learn and you want to develop and you're open to different new interesting ideas and you're not hopefully not quite as jaded about being in and around and inundated in the sport as you would be if you're just a little bit older. Yeah. Um, I think a a big thing comes down to it as well is that pathway and do they see a future in it? Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing I found with Canadian rugby up until maybe two or three years ago. Very few Canadians actually make it to the professional stage. Yeah. Whereas if you look at other sports like hockey, where there's a clear pathway on how players can make it. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, with parents saying, okay, this is going to cost so much money. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Are we getting, okay, we might get a scholarship. Yeah. And that's where they're kind of looking at it. But they're not really looking at that professional aspect. Up, yeah. until, up until this year and the year before, I think, with the MLR. Yeah, I think the MLR has definitely helped. Um, there's currently two Canadian teams in the MLR, so that, that has helped tremendously. Sorry, of- just just the one. And then and there's Seattle that's really close to Vancouver. Um, you know, and so having opportunity that's here in North America, I think is huge for some of those guys that, yeah. you know, might not be able to crack a professional contract in Europe or, or yeah. in Australia or New Zealand. Um, so it definitely makes that dream a bit more attainable. Um, and, and also I think what it helps to do is it helps to retain some of that locally developed talent here so that it continues to develop that talent here. And so, and even in, even from the coaching aspect, um, I, what I find the most interesting is, um, so I didn't get into level three this year. Did you not? And I was a prime candidate to get in. Yeah. Um, was there reasoning? I, there was none. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit frustrating because for me, it's there's not a lot of female coaches in Canada that coach at that level. Yeah. There's not a lot of female coaches here that have that. And it pushes coaches like me to go seek that opportunity somewhere else yeah. outside of Canada. Or... On the flip side, there's a lot of female coaches that lead the sport in general. Yeah. Because part of it is if there's not the opportunity, why am I still in it? And, you know, part of part of the reason that I stay in it is, you know, the love of grassroots development. Mm-hmm. Part of it is a thorough understanding that you don't have successful national level without yeah. having a solid base. You just yeah. don't have that. You, you won't have anything to draw up to that national level. Yeah. And having worked at both levels, 
there's a stronger understanding of what that relationship needs to look like. But part of the frustration, and hopefully I'm going to be able to sit down with John Abro um, in the next couple of weeks and record an episode about this very topic. But, you know, part of it is um, if you don't develop or invest in talent that's here, whether that's from a coaching or a player perspective, and the only option that people have is to go seek that development elsewhere, yeah. you're not really helping this yeah. grow. And you're not really helping it develop because you're always relying on people that are going to come in from elsewhere. There's a small percentage of, of the foreign coaches that we bring in that will stay here permanently, but not all of them do. Not all of them want to, and not all of them can. Right. Um, And so, and so part of it, part of it is, I think you have to be able to, you have to be able to, to at least try to develop talent at home if you have it. Yeah. Um, I got nominated for a lot of things last year, three of them. Yeah. Um, so- I was a finalist in two categories and I probably would have won them had this whole COVID-19 situation yeah. not put like everything on happen. hold. But it's, but it's one of those things where it's like, if I'm getting recognized at a national level and I'm getting recognized in sporting bodies for work mm-hmm. that I'm doing, then why can I not be given the same opportunity as anybody else that hasn't gotten half of these things? Yeah. How many spots were there? I think 10, like not many. And they ran two and they're, well, I mean, they were supposed to run two courses. One was in May, which is if they haven't, that's going to get canceled a hundred percent because rugby Canada has put everything on indefinite hold right now. Yeah. The second one was in December. Yeah. But again, like it's looking like a lot of things in the 2020 calendar is getting put on hold or postponed until 2021. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's an opportunity for me to just kind of like come back in and be like, Hey, you guys didn't give me a spot before, but like, this is why I deserve one. Yeah. You know, but again, like it's one of those, it's one of those, like, I don't, I don't say that from a, I'm bitter that I didn't get it, but it's one of those where it's like, the last time this course was offered was nearly five years ago. Yeah. Was the last time that it was offered here. Nearly five years ago. I wouldn't have had. I don't think that even went, got fully completed. No. And it didn't get fully completed, but it's also like there was a lot of coaches that just didn't qualify at that time because you just didn't have enough experience. You didn't have enough, a lot of things. Right. And hopefully in that five year period, you've put some work in and you've done some things and you've done stuff to, to prove that like, Hey, like I've worked on development. I can take teams to win stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won one of the biggest trophies in Canada last year. It's not a fluke. Yeah. It's, it's a combination of a lot of hard work is what it is. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's one of those scenarios where it's just like, if you look at records, I have a very good one. Yeah. So why is the guy that has won nothing gets into this course and I've won a lot. Is of that things. a dig at me because we lost the provincial final? No, 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 no. But it's one of it, no, 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 no. But it's it's one of those things where it's like it's it's one of those things where I'm just like I just I don't get it. Yeah. Yes, I'm not I'm not from here, you know, and I haven't been in the sport for as long as maybe some of the other guys. Yeah. But I have a better record. I have a better record. Um, and it's also one of those things where it's like. You know, especially coaches like you and coaches that are younger, it's like, 
you want you want to inspire that younger generation to stay in the sport yeah instead of being like you know what like i'm not going to stay in something where i don't have opportunity to 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 get better right yeah um and so I've been really happy with the fact that there has been a lot of teams that have taken chances on younger coaches to say, Hey, you don't have as much experience, but like what you lack in 20 years of experience, you bring in enthusiasm, you bring in your desire to want to be better and to want to continually learn and develop yourself so that the teams that you're working with and the athletes that you're working with get better. Yeah, and they're yeah. not staying stagnant, right? Um, and I think that hopefully that's shifting a little bit, that mindset. Um, but, I mean, there's definitely a lot of programs that I've seen. They've had the same coach for, like, 30 years. And, like, that coach that's been around for 30 years has not changed yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. And it's sometimes sometimes you have to be open to – something a bit new in the sense where it's like this game is evolving. It's evolving all the time. The laws are changing. Um, And just even the way that athletes are developing themselves, they're getting stronger, they're getting bigger, they're getting faster. Yeah. There's a desire to, to sort of adapt with it and we'll get left behind if we don't adapt with it. Yeah. Right. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on, I mean, I don't know if you've worked with coaches that have been around forever and what your experience has been like with that, but, um, you know, have you found clubs and programs that you've worked with have been open to innovative ideas? Have they not been, have they been maybe a bit resistant? Um, Moving into Canada, I think the biggest thing that helped me was just the Irish accent. Yep. <laughs> it's just, they see that fresh, fresh blood. Yeah. They see, okay, this guy, he's from a tier one nation. He, he, he knows his stuff. Yep. I might know absolutely nothing and I could bring in completely new ideas that make absolutely no sense. Right. But I think they'd buy it because of that accent. <laughs> and, uh, right. <laughs> It's like automatically you see a New Zealand player, oh, he must be good just because he's from New Zealand. Yeah. But um, it, I think it did open a lot of doors. And then, and then what do you find has been the difference now that you've returned home? Um, I think knowledge of the game. I, I kind of went came back thinking, okay, I think I know a bit more than I actually did. Um, I was lucky enough, I was coaching McCall Regions and some of the coaches that are in there, well, two of them played professional rugby, another one played Irish clubs. So I kind of got a feel for them and saw what their priorities were. And I'm like, okay, some of my things might be different, but I'm actually going to take them because it's the newest kind of yeah. uh, techniques or whatnot but um no i think it's i've learned a lot especially in the last six months just from that tactical aspect aspect but i think the biggest area where i developed in canada and especially vancouver was that just the coaching right coaching experience and that 
that emotional intelligence side of everything? It's really different um, sort of getting to work on that aspect of it. Um, and at least for me anyway, like every coach that I've ever worked with, um, I've been able to learn something different from all of them. Um, everyone's, I mean, everyone's approach is going to be a little bit different, right? Um, everyone's viewpoints are going to be a little bit different. And sometimes, sometimes we're looking at the same sort of problem from a slightly different lens. Yeah. And your idea might not work entirely and my idea might not work entirely, but if we combine the two things, we're actually quite a bit better off, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that, at least for me anyway, has been about open collaboration. Yeah. Um, it's the exchange of ideas. Um, I went and coached with Stars Rugby for sevens. I got to coach with Medi Baker from New Zealand. Um, she's amazing. There is so, like, and she has been a professional rugby coach for 20 something yeah, yeah. years um wealth wealth of knowledge mm. um but part of the the biggest things that i learned from her is not anything really to do with technical rugby yeah. it's everything else about coaching everything yeah. it's just the way that she deals with the players it's the way that she sort of leads them to learn the skills that she wants them to where it's kind of like, okay, like if your skill box, we've marked it as red because this is an area you need improvement in, how am I going to best lead you so that you actually learn and develop that skill? Yeah, It's going to probably be a soft skill. One of the players, the soft skill was leadership. And it's like, we just happen to have a slightly difficult situation. And it's kind of like, okay, like this is an opportunity for her to learn how to better position herself in sort of a leadership sort of role here yeah. while dealing with some slight conflict management with other players. Yeah. That's not something you can manufacture. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's, but it's as a coach, like how can I help you develop that skill? Cause it's not something I can be like, great. You need three touches on a ball. It's not a skill like that. It's a very yeah. different type of skill set. Right. So just being able to observe her and watch her, how she develops that, my goodness, it was mind-boggling because it's like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's really about people management. Oh, definitely. At the end of the day, you can, yes, you can bring in coaches that are technical skills coaches. You can bring in strength coaches. You can bring in speed coaches that can work on those sort of like physical aspects. Yeah. Kind of tweak those skills. It's really difficult though to work on some of those softer skills because a lot of those scenarios you can't plan for. Yeah. Like you can't just say, great, like we're going to simulate this environment. Like a lot of those things you can't simulate. Mm -hmm. Right. But we can help to teach them how to think about things, how to, how to, how to sort of internalize certain aspects, how to externalize certain things, um, who to go to, how to self-reflect, and then hopefully what it, what happens then is some of these skills that they learn in sport, they can take these skills and apply them to other areas of their life. And I think the biggest thing for that as well is how can we get the, essentially you're manipulating players to try and get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, without actually realizing it. I think that's the, the most rewarding challenge I had, especially in the BC programs where like we, for, 
when we were in the week-long camps, yeah. there'd be a lot of presentations and analysis, and I'd be kind of pushing guys, okay, so they'd be all in groups. Okay, so, just for example, Jimmy, how yeah. come you, like, do you want to lead this presentation? And they're like, oh, no, go on, you're fine. And then they wouldn't have actually took that step themselves. Yeah. A bit of a nudge, I think. And then they realize, okay, this isn't actually all that bad at all. Yeah. You know, to gain that confidence. Yeah. And I think part of a lot of it is, is also like learning how to work with people um, that you might not always, especially with the youth, they tend to group together with people that are, they're familiar with. Yeah. Right. And so part of that is, especially as you're starting to play higher level rugby or play higher level anything, the chances are you might be with blokes that you just don't know yeah, or know very well. Um, but you still have to function as a team and you still have to function as a unit. Yeah. And so it's, are you able to develop those skills to get out of those comfort zones to say, Hey, like we're now the group, yeah. even though we're not that familiar with one another, but can we learn to work with one another and can we learn to collaborate with different voices and different viewpoints, yeah. right? Because it even found we had a few players in the last couple of years that they've shown really well at, at regionals. Mm-hmm. They've come into camp, they were pretty quiet. But we see, okay, there's something here that we just haven't seen yet right. that we know we've seen in the past. And then when we go away to Westerns, we're like, where did, where did that performance come out of? Like, yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's just getting them comfortable in their own environment, mm-hmm. I think, is the biggest thing I've found. Yeah, and I think with some of the youth, like, some of them are a little bit better at adapting to mm-hmm. new environments, um, and some of them are just a little bit shyer, and they yeah. take a little bit longer to develop. But that's, I think, the challenge for us when we're coaching sort of youth and development, age-grade development, is how do you teach them that skill? Yeah. It's a very transferable skill to just life in general of yeah. how do you adapt to an environment that may seem uncomfortable at first. Yeah. And hopefully hopefully afterwards you, you, you realize that it's maybe not as scary as you initially thought. I know. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like last summer I was coaching with Harry Curtin and Luke Robson where three young guys, obviously I'm Irish, uh, Luke was a Kiwi and then Harry was an Aussie. Right. We had such a good relationship and we'd always like punish each other in front to say, okay, we're all on equal level and get them a bit comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I even found like because they could see that there was a normal side to us, they could kind of open up because guys that haven't been in that provincial program in the past Mm-hmm. They think, okay, the next step is national. I got to be really serious and and kind of take the coach extremely seriously, you know. So I think the more we can kind of adapt and make them comfortable in the environment they're in, mm-hmm. that's only going to make them better. Yeah, and it's and it's also like we're just people mm. as well, right? Yeah, um, a lot. And of it's funny to say that actually, because but it's, it's, uh, but it's true. <laughs> Yeah, but even so, you know that session you were away for at the wave we were training. Yeah. yeah. So I was quite nervous going into that because I was like, I don't know how to uh, how to lead this. This is my first. Yeah. 
uh, first time leading with the, the women. We were doing a training session, and I think it was a 4v2, four attack, two defense, where we the attack kick or the defense kicking the ball, yeah. the attack, and they try and score. Yeah. I think there was about five times there where the attack couldn't score. I was like, okay, I will do five burpees if we can get the next one. <laughs> Again. But that's the thing, right? Like, we have to. I think I think sometimes our athletes are just like, oh, like you guys are coaches, and it's like, yes, it's serious business, like majority of the time. Yeah. But there's a there's a there's a small percentage of the time where it's kind of like we're also just human beings, and we're also yeah. just people. Yeah. And there's if you can see that sort of other side of it, and you're a bit more relatable. Yeah. You know, like. Um, when I used to coach the U16s and the U18 boys, like, um, I'd always have them do a coat hanger sprint drill at the end. Uh, you do three rounds of it. And if you dog it, you do two extra ones. Yeah. I've gotten teams to do seven of them before because they were just like, Oh, like this is, and I'm just like, this is not a benefit for me yeah. to sit here and watch you sprint. It's, it's, we've just finished a hard session Think of this as think of this as the 79th minute in this match. Yeah. Like, are you just gonna give up in that last minute? Sitting on on either your try line defending that out or on their try line trying to score. Like you're telling me that, oh, we're almost done, so I'm just gonna give up. Like that's yeah. that's not what you would do in game scenarios. So this this simulates that mental sort of mm-hmm. fortitude. And one of the one of the guys looked at me and he's just like are you going to do this with them? I'm like, here's the thing. I'm double the age of most of you. So yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. And all of a sudden they get comfortable. They're like, okay, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. And it's one of those things where it's like, I should not be faster than half. Yeah, I know. I know. Should not. I yeah. was. And I was just like, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I think in I did compa- it. In comparison, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's one of those where they're just like, all right, she put her money where her mouth is. I'm just like, hey, I'm never going to make you guys do things I do not do yeah. myself or would not be comfortable doing myself. So sure, you want me to run this with you? All right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right? But it's like, but at the end here, hopefully what this shows is it's there is rhyme and reason for certain things that we're doing at, and and why we're doing them at the t- point in times that we're doing it. Yeah. It's not because I want to sit there. I used to be a conditioning coach. It's not because I want to sit there and watch you suffer. Yeah. That's very evil. And I'm not quite at that level, but you know, yeah. but it's, it doesn't bring me joy to sit yeah. there and use fitness as a punishment. Mm. Part of it's part of it for me is if you want to be playing at that next level, you have to be comfortable in those uncomfortable scenarios. Yeah, and you kind of have to be okay with being pushed hard, mm-hmm. because in game scenario you're not just going to give up because you're just like, oh, we got like a minute or two left, like it's fine. Yeah. It's not fine. I've seen we've seen it in game scenarios where like that's sometimes a make or break. Yeah, of that match, right? And uh, that definitely kind of differentiates between kind of the the great and the best. Like if. I could easily pick out maybe a handful of players that I could say, okay, you actually have what it takes mm. to make that next level. 
yeah. than the others. They're still really good players, but they don't have that mental edge to kind of bring them forward. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it just, it, it astounds me a little bit where some of them are just like, what do you mean you want me to do this? I'm like, it's not because I just want to sit here and like twiddle thumbs and yeah. this sparks joy. It's because I know that it'll help you hopefully for that next level that you're aiming to get at. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not everything in sport is about physical development. Some of it is, is as much, if not more of that mental fortitude, right? Do you want to do this? It's a lot easier to not do it than it is to do majority of the time, but it's like, how bad do you want to do it? And you know, if half the battle is getting there in the first place and then the other half the battle is actually doing and then once you find that you do and you do and you do you get into a little groove and hopefully the next time it's a little bit easier and hopefully the next time it's a little bit easier yeah. um, so it doesn't feel like a chore anymore and it doesn't feel as onerous anymore um, and then hopefully you're able to add on other things and other skills and you can build on it and you know you become better mm-hmm. right but it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to help athletes that don't want to put in work it is hard yeah. to do that yeah no definitely um uh, and it's interesting then as well because there there are a few that have that mental edge or but it might be hidden away mm-hmm. i think us as coaches it might come to a stage where you've got to give that player confidence then yeah. all of a sudden that confidence clicks and they've they've already actually had that mental yeah uh, mental aspect but it's yeah. just a bit of a blockage. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of times, especially with the younger athletes, mm. if you are the example of what you want them to do, yeah. a lot of times they'll be like, Okay, cool, like if he's doing this. Yeah it seems a bit more approachable in that way, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't seem quite as scary. Yeah. When you see your coaches, you know, doing stuff and working on things where it's kind of like, you know, I mean, we're going on record here. I don't want to do nine minutes bloody burpees tomorrow, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it because it's good for me. <laughs> it's like, and I've even found the first six days, they were really mentally tough. Yeah. First three minutes were fine. Three, four minutes were fine. Yeah. Then once I got to the seventh minute yesterday, it was only once I got to maybe six minutes, 20 seconds, where another side of me kicked in. Yeah. That, that fight or flight kind of mentality to just keep pushing through. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of felt that I could do a bit more. But then today came and I just couldn't get that... Uh, which is, you know, and, and that's, and that's, and, and this is what we talked about earlier. Like that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, and it's not something to like beat yourself up over to say, oh, okay. Like I've been doing so good up until now. And like, just if, if, if that's the mental energy that you have mm-hmm. to expend today and that's all you got, like, that's all you yeah. got. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, Eric. Well, thank you for this enlightening conversation. I know it's been if, fun. If the people out there want to know more about you or um, or they want to see what you're up to, like where can they find you? Um, so my Instagram, it's Aaron Fla, 
So A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-H-101. Um, and then I think it's the same photo for my Twitter. So I put up a lot of uh, coaching coaching uh, resources on my Twitter. You can find me there. Look up Erno Flaherty and you'll find it. I don't know my exact um, username, but like, I have a face now you couldn't miss. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, like when I put this up on the YouTube channel, I will link everything below. Um, and when I put this up on my Instagram, I will also link and tag everything of yours so people can find you. Um, yeah, but honestly, like, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, this has been, been super long overdue. I'd love to have you on again. Uh, we could probably sit and talk about just the most random rugby related stuff for like hours and hours because yeah. honestly, like that's just how much stuff there is yeah. out there. And it's not just, and it's funny because a lot of people are just like, Oh, like, coaching is not just about the technical skill. Oh, it's definitely. About, it's mental. about all of, it's about everything that goes along with yeah. it. Right. Yeah. You could be one of the most talented skills coaches and you're, and you'll only impact your athletes in one small aspect. You don't have the people skills. It's going nowhere. It's going to go nowhere because sport, sport is very much about people management. It's very much about people development. It's very much, I mean, a, a good chunk of it is about that soft skill development yeah. more so than the technical skill. You can teach someone to get stronger in six to eight weeks. You can teach someone to be technically better in six to eight weeks. Yeah. But you, what you have a much more uh, difficult time uh, teaching is a lot of those soft skills. Approach, yeah. You know, because a lot of those environments we just can't simulate. You just can't simulate how you would react to certain scenarios until they happen Um, and the and the best thing that we can do is to guide them along and the best thing that we can do is to give them other tools that they can use and resources that they can lean on um that's going to give them the best success yeah definitely all right pal um well you know hopefully sometime soon this is this environment is is going to end i'm quite enjoying this I mean, it's nice. It's nice in that sense, but it's like all of my family live in Asia, and I can't see any of them. I mean, yeah, I'm just. I'm certainly glad that I'm back in Galway now more than. Well, than when, I yeah, like being fairly stressed. It's. Uh, I mean, like I made. I made this move back to Toronto uh, in the middle of all of this, and so mm. it's. Uh, it's interesting to do that when you are isolated. Yeah. Because. You know, in normal circumstances, friends would be like, do you need help with anything? Like, can I, you know, can I help you do stuff? Like, even if they wanted to in in, yeah, the, most, in the most sort of like altruistic way, there's also that like gut feeling knowing that like you physically can't do mm. any of that. Right. And so a lot of it's like, how self-sufficient can I be? Like, no. You know, and it's and it's mostly like okay, like if I have to limit the amount of time and space that I am outside, it's like I have to make the most of yeah what I'm doing, and I have to do it in the in the safest way that I can yeah do, and, and so that's definitely like changed a lot of things. But hopefully, um, there's going to be a, a point in time where we will be able to physically reconnect. I know. Um, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Um, take care of yourself. Stay safe. 
Um, I'd love to have you on again. We'll have to coordinate another time where we. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, all right. Okay, look after yourself. We'll talk Thank to you, you soon. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye.